0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: It's that time, America. Your very own nationally award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America with host Shayla Thornton, is set to air now. We feature the trending news stories, the timely interviews you want to hear, and the hottest music in the industry. This show truly is news talk for everyone. Let others know right now that you're tuned in to quality news talk that matters. You're listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayla Thornton. Broadcast begins now, 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 now.
2: Good Tuesday evening to you and welcome to your national award-winning family radio talk show, Let's Talk America, with host Shayna Thornton. Of course, I am Shayna, and I am honored that you've opted to join us live this Tuesday night. It is February the 7th, 2017. It's a new week and also the first Tuesday of February 2017 and I trust you're having a great week thus far. If not, stay with us, we have more days in the week for you and also more days in this awesome month of February. I love February. We celebrate Black History Month. We also celebrate Valentine's Day and more. And you want to stay with Let's Talk America Radio this month because we have more unique and original programming aimed to keep you informed. Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton Radio Show has planned a phenomenal year of programming for you in 2017. So do stay with us and please continue to tell all of your family, friends, and colleagues about your family radio talk show. Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. Radio show offers news talk for every single member of your household. Now, regardless of age or generation, we offer news talk and music. Over the past three years, we've had the amazing opportunity to be on air, and that's where we've covered so many topics out there that concern you and your loved ones. We've covered topics that attend to law, politics, health business, finance, music, pop culture, and so much more. And we have more in store for you. I cannot emphasize that enough. Right now, I would kindly ask that you please use the hashtag LTA Radio. Please use the hashtag LTA Radio, all caps, lowercase, and let others know that you are tuned in to your very own radio talk show now on your favorite social media site. Now, use our hashtag on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, you name it, we're out there. Now, there's great reasoning I'm asking you to use the hashtag LTA Radio. One, others will know that this is your programming of Okay, second, it's easy for us to find you, and we do follow back. So once we know you're on board, we will connect with you as well. Stay with us, because the success of this show relies heavily on our listeners. And for those listening to me live, hello. And if you're listening to me on a replay podcast, hello as well. Now, if you have an Apple device, do know that you can go on iTunes and search for Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton Radio Show, and we are out there. Listen to any of our episodes, free once, twice, or 50 times. This is your radio show, and we make it convenient for you to listen on. Now, if you don't have an Apple smartphone, no worries. You can also listen to us on TuneIn, as well as SoundCloud and Blog Talk Radio. There are lots of options for you to listen to your show at your convenience. Well, everyone, we're off to one great start for February. After all, it's the first full week. Let's start off with the issues that matter. As many of you know, the United States has a new president, and that means new policies. Our 45th U.S. president has signed new executive orders over the past few weeks putting his signature touch on U.S. policy. Now, there have been those who praise his recent orders and those who criticize it. Where do you stand? Political and international relations expert, Dr. Harlan Ullman, joined Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton tonight to discuss the latest in global politics. You want to stay with us, okay? We also heard back from you as well, our listeners, and we will be sharing your thoughts throughout the programming tonight. Lastly, Union's Senior Director of Research and Consulting, uh, Vita Verma, joins the show tonight to discuss the company's 2017 consumer credit market forecast. Now, this is a very timely segment relevant to your pockets talking about finance and money. you want to stay with us because this is a very informative segment. Alright, Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton Radio is set to deliver news talk and music. That's what we do each and every week. We offer new segments. Now there are lots of different news talk programs out there, but we offer objective and professional journalism that keeps you informed the right way. And we keep it exciting as we offer versatile content. Well, I did mention that we offer timely news, great talk, and also phenomenal music. And I'm so excited tonight because we will feature new music from the one and only Gregory D. and Company. So stay with us. We also have our signature in the news and that's where we highlight the trending news of the day. You want to hear this because it's been a jam packed day. But after all, our featured exclusive conversation for tonight will cover the recent political news out of the White House and its impact on international relations. Business overseas. What exactly does it mean? How is the United States being perceived in the Middle East right now, and Europe and Africa. Dr. Harlan Oman joins us in mere minutes to talk about it all. Please, right now, message family, friends, colleagues, and even your next-door neighbor in your apartment complex, and let them know that LTA Radio is on now. We're set to kick it off. This is your show. Let's get it.
3: Hi, this is Leslie. I'm really enjoying the show. Let's Talk America keeps you in the know. Hi, my name is Tina Harrell, and I just love listening to Shana
2: Thornton on Let's Talk America. It's wonderful. Please keep it going, Shana. Hi, I'm Yolanda, and I listen to Let's Talk America. Let's keep it going. Safeguard Security Solutions is a certified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. We provide you with trained and trusted security guards. Safeguard Guard Security is a trusted leader with proven expertise in a number of markets, including colleges and universities, commercial real estate, defense and aerospace, financial institutions, government services, health care, high schools, manufacturing and industrial, personal security, residential communities, shopping centers, For more information, please contact us at 678-369-7920 or at our website, www.safeguardsecurityllc.com. Welcome back, everyone. Of course, I would like to thank all of our national sponsors and partners. Your support is truly priceless and greatly appreciated. Now, if you're with a nonprofit organization or for-profit organization and you're looking for innovative ways to share your branding with a national audience, please reach out to a member of Let's Talk America Radio. You can shoot us a quick email at admin at Again, send us a quick email at admin at L-T-A-Radio radio.com and someone will get back with you, okay? And lastly, as always, I would like to thank our national listeners. Thank you for sticking with us each and every week. Now, I certainly know a lot of the times you cannot get on live at Tuesday nights at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but you go back and you listen to our episodes certainly thank you for sticking with us and again we have more unique and original programming for you in 2017 believe it or not we are just getting started well everyone it is now time for our signature in the news and this is where we highlight the trending news of the day quick housekeeping note let's talk america radio has teamed up with the one and only TV channel 182 news on the charter network out of georgia there we present the televised edition of in the news now if you're ever interested in seeing our televised edition no worries please visit our website at www.ltaradio.com again visit ltaradio.com and simply click on the vimeo link and there you will find our footage of our televised edition of in the news but right now it's tuesday night and we're on the radio program and we're set to deliver in the news for your ears In the news for February the 7th, 2017, travel ban and more political news. Over the weekend, a federal appeals court denied the U.S. government's emergency request to resume President Donald Trump's travel ban. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has asked opposing sides to file legal briefs before the court makes its official decision on the matter. Now, a federal judge halted the program on Friday, which prompted the government's emergency request. President Donald Trump criticized a federal judge who voided his travel ban from seven Muslim majority nations over the weekend. The federal judge is a President George W. Bush appointee sitting in the Western District of Washington. The president said that he would demand that Homeland Security officials give extra scrutiny to people entering the United States from those countries. Now, in other news, more protests and demonstrations aimed at President Donald Trump's policies took place around the globe over the weekend, including New York City. A total of 97 Companies, including Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft, filed a court motion over the weekend declaring that the president's executive order on immigration violated the immigration laws and the Constitution. The president talked to Twitter to suggest that polls claiming people are against his travel ban are to be regarded as fake news. In an interview released over the weekend on Fox News, the president was asked about Russia's leader Vladimir Putin. The on air talent eventually responded that Putin was a killer. President Trump responded with, this There are a lot of killers. You think our country is so honest? The comments have been met with criticism and praise on social media, with Russia reportedly demanding that Fox News issue an apology. And finally, in the news, a dramatic Super Bowl win. New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady and coach Bill Belichick are now being celebrated as the greatest quarterback coaching duo in NFL history due to a dramatic and nail-biting win in Super Bowl 51 this past Sunday. This historic win is being considered the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history ever. The Patriots rallied from a 25-point deficit and defeated the Atlanta Falcons 34-28 to at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. Now both teams certainly had phenomenal seasons and many are still Falcon fans in the Georgia area. So congratulations to the New England Patriots and it's a new season soon so best wishes to all the teams out there. And now it's time for some basketball. Well everyone thanks for staying informed with Let's Talk America Radio. If you're a news junkie or you simply like staying informed connect with us on our various social media outlets but you may love Twitter, okay? There we share 24 hours a day, the breaking news story. Our handle on Twitter is S.S. Thornton. The handle for the show on Twitter is S-S-T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. It is Tuesday night, and we are set to deliver news, talk, and music. We'll be back on in mere seconds, and I'm so excited because we will be putting the spotlight on international relations and the latest in global politics. What is exactly going on in Washington, D.C.? Will impact you and your family or those you love overseas. Stay with us. You're listening to Let's Talk America Radio.
0: Bold Favorite Magazine is the leadership lifestyle magazine highlighting bold people, organizations and causes that inspire us to live fearlessly. Feature your business to our email list of 250,000 people all over the globe and on our engaged social media platforms. Bone Favor prides itself on pairing your business with empowering articles and profiles to ensure you are seen and appreciated by people who want to support you. And bonus, advertise with us to feature your product on television programs produced by our parent company at no additional cost. Visit BoldFavorMagazine.com or call 866-611-3753 to get started today. The future favors the bold. Be fearless.
2: Welcome back, everyone. It is now time for our inspirational corner, and this is where I share a very motivating quote that's intended to get you through the week. And tonight's quote is right on time for someone. Life doesn't let you go back and change things. All you can do is learn from the past and prepare for what the future may bring. Again, tonight's statement says, Life doesn't let you go back and change things. All you can do is learn from the past and prepare for what the future may bring. You know, many of us live with regret in our lives. Maybe our decisions were not always ideal. But the hard, cold truth is we just can't change any of that. But what we can change is our attitude. And we can certainly be on a mission not to repeat the same mistakes again. And if you're thinking, well, I'm at an age where it wouldn't happen anyway, well, put that effort and that energy to ensuring that those who are younger than you also know those important critical lessons. Make this life phenomenal, okay? There's always tomorrow. Well, everyone, in mere seconds, Dr. Harlan Ullman will join us, and he's going to talk about the present and tomorrow in terms of politics. He's going to offer his perspective about all of those executive orders being signed by our 45th U.S. President, Donald Trump. Do the executive orders mean anything for you and your family or perhaps your loved ones overseas? He's going to talk about that and more. You're listening to News Talk That Matters, Let's Talk America Radio seeks advocates and experts to offer their perspective on the latest trending news. And tonight we're putting the spotlight on international relations and politics. Stay with us and lend us your ears as we hear from one of our listeners who wants to share her thoughts on the recent political news out of the White House. Um, African Americans have um, faced many bans right here in the USA, and this Muslim ban is
0: equally as bad. Um, In my opinion, the Muslim ban is not all about
2: safety. It is about a fear of becoming a minority in this country. Um, The ban is unconstitutional, it is un-American, it is unacceptable,
0: and it is undeniably un-Christian.
2: Welcome back, listeners, to your national award-winning news talk program, Let's Talk America. Now, here, of course, on the program, we put the spotlight on those issues that are concerning us. They're trending in the news arena. And, of course, international relations is put on the forefront lately with our president, Donald Trump, uh, with the new immigration limitations or ban, if you will. Now, you've heard about it. We've reported it in our In the News segment. What exactly does it mean overseas, right? Well, I'm no expert at that, but I'm so honored right now to have back on the program. program, a gentleman who is a foreign relations expert, also a business expert. He's seen all over the media. He's also senior advisor to the Atlantic Council and business executives for national security. I'm talking about the one and only Doctor Harlan Ullman. Doctor Ullman, welcome back to Let's Talk America Radio. My pleasure, Shannon. Hey, so I know I also want to point out to our national and international audience that your our forthcoming book, Enemy of Failure, It Loses Wars That It Starts. The book is not out yet. We're going to touch on that book, but first it's on everyone's mind right now. The immigration ban for the next 90 days of seven majority Muslim countries. It's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of confusion with it. I've got to ask a man who has expertise in the international relations. Where does this put us in the heart of the Middle East? I, I think we need to talk about that, because when we talk about the threat of ISIS or other terrorist groups, we know uh, from our understanding the breeding ground, for the most part, uh, starts there. Uh, Where are we right now? Does this help us or hurt us?
4: Believe it or not, the foreign minister of Iran put this in, I think, stark perspective. Uh, Javad Zarif, who was educated in the United States, Iran's foreign minister, said that Mr. Trump's ban has been the greatest gift to the Islamic State and radicals that he could possibly imagine. And I think that's a fairly good statement. Unfortunately, so far, the actions of the Trump administration have really been badly taken overseas. And I think that it's done damage to America's reputation, not just the immigration order, but Mr. Trump's phone calls with the president of Mexico, the call with the prime minister of Australia. I think that America, for the moment, is being perceived largely negatively and is being derided so far in terms of what's happening. And if this continues over the longer term, it will certainly not be very healthy for American policy and American interests.
2: So that's interesting in a sense. I know others, such as Senator John McCain said, it seems to be propaganda for ISIS. Same thing, of course, Ryan. uh, He's correct. Leader said, for an American sitting right now in the nation's capital, They're saying, well, wait a minute, but in theory, the President of the United States and his White House staffers are saying that it's supposed to protect us. Now, for someone that doesn't have the expertise of you, Dr. Oman, tell us this now. Well, if you keep out the areas that are supposed to be the most (laughs) threat, would that help us, right, in theory?
4: Shane, I mean, this is ludicrous. Uh, First of all, all the President needed to do was to say we want to improve our vetting. The fact of the matter is there's nothing that the president or his administration can do. The vetting is about as good as it's going to be. It takes, in some cases, two or three years. But um, that is not the problem. The number one threat to America since September 11th is not from foreign-born members of al-Qaeda or the Islamic State. It's from people who have been born in the United States or naturalized Americans. Don't forget Army major and psychiatrist um, Hassan, who went berserk and killed 15 Americans or so at Fort Hood. He okay. was an American. He was a major in the U.S. Army. He was a psychiatrist. Over three-quarters of the so-called terrorist acts that have been taken in the United, uh, happened in the United States since 9-11 have been undertaken by Native-born Americans or naturalized citizens, none from the regions that have been mentioned, which I think is quite interesting.
2: I do have a question about you. I thought Iraq was on the list. Now, for me, that was a little shocking. It's absurd. Because I said, yes, I said, wow, Iraq is on the list. (laughs) I mean, didn't we just finish, in a sense, sort of helping each other? I mean, explain perhaps some of the reasoning of having them on the list.
4: There is none. It's it's an absurdity. Um, And that's what really rankled John McCain and uh, Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis We happen to be allied with Iraq, as nobody realized. We have about 7,000 Americans who are fighting in Iraq right now. We have some 30 Iraqi pilots who are training in the United States. And uh, how do we do this to a friend and ally? Interestingly, Many years ago, President John Kennedy, I think, put his finger on it when he said, the only thing worse than being an enemy of the United States is being a friend or ally. And the Trump administration is underscoring uh, that marvelous observation by President Kennedy.
2: Where are we with our relations with Europe right now? Because, of course, those seven Muslim-majority countries were the focus of the ban or the 90-day limitation. Uh, Syria, I do want to point, uh, from my understanding, indefinitely suspending uh, any acceptance of refugees in this nation. And Europe, how is this being perceived?
4: Not good. Um, first, that Mr. Trump could say that NATO is obsolete has really scared people in Europe. NATO has been the bedrock of uh, Western Uh, societies, and Western democracies since 1949. Uh, Second, uh, today one of President uh, Trump's key economic advisors, Peter Navarro, questioned Germany's uh, use of currency manipulation, which is seen as a direct threat uh, to the economic situations. And even after uh, Theresa May, British prime minister, had a very successful visit with Donald Trump last Friday in which they strolled out of the Oval Office hand in hand. When this immigration decree came out the next day, Trump, Prime Minister May was derided in Great Britain and now nearly two, minute, two million British have signed petitions to keep Trump from having a state visit to Britain. That's, those are just indicators and symptoms of how the Trump administration so far is being perceived in Europe. And as I said, it is not healthy.
2: Now, the Secretary of State, as we know, uh, can be very influential um, with our international relations. Uh, He just got confirmed, of course. Do you think that could help us in the sense of where we are now?
4: The problem is this, Shana. The reality of American politics is that your influence in the White House is inversely proportional how far away you are from the Oval Office. And Trump's inner circle is within 50 or 100 feet of the Oval Office, most of whom have had no government experience whatsoever. Uh, General Mattis is across the Potomac. Secretary of State Tillerson is in Foggy Bottom. Literally, those are a million miles away in political terms. And yes, one hopes the Secretary of State and the Secretary of Defense and other Cabinet officials will have impact, but the fact of the matter is, for the last 30 years or so, power has been shifting to the, to the White House. Each presidency has become successively stronger uh, in terms of power and, and what it can control. And so I hesitate to say this, but I think the influence of cabinet secretaries is declining. That certainly was the case in the Obama administration, and it was the case in the Bush administration. And I don't see that necessarily changing in the Trump administration.
2: I want to bring up something you touched on just now. You said um, several of his key appointees do not have government experience. Now, for many insiders in Washington, this is a shocking uh, concept. But I want to go for the voters of Donald Trump, and of course, we know he won the electoral college. It's very much in dispute if he won the popular vote. Um, he's dispelling He didn't, the, he
4: didn't win. The, he didn't win the popular vote. He lost by almost three million. And any and any, any but, comments to the contrary are just fiction. <laughs>
2: Yes, and as you know, Don Oman, I do want to say as a journalist, objective journalist, that he is saying that he did win it and he wants to uh, do a voter fraud investigation. But this is my point that I want to make. There are those who you know defend him clearly, and they say, hey, Dr. it's a great thing that we don't have government insiders, that we don't have seasoned veterans, because maybe we can get things done and change the politics of Washington and what's going on overseas. What's your response to those individuals who support him, and many do this when
4: I'm out and about reporting. Uh, Shana, would you like to have uh, one of your writers or one of your staff do brain surgery on you?
2: Absolutely not, because none of them are experiencing brain surgery.
4: That's my point. And among his cabinet, with the exceptions of General Jim Mattis and John Kelly, who's at Homeland Security, not one of them has had an inch or an ounce of government experience. And the notion that somehow having no experience is really vital when you're dealing with a situation that is entirely different to me is a prescription for disaster. This government is extremely complex. It's very broken. You need a great deal of knowledge, and quite frankly, we don't have the time for this to be a learning experience. That certainly was the case with George W. Bush when Bush took office and after the attacks of 9-11 made a decision that has been the greatest strategic catastrophe uh, in our lifetime in going into Iraq simply because he did not understand government and he was not experienced. I'm not suggesting another situation will arise like that, but you can't take people who have no experience whatsoever and expect them instantly or even over a short period of time to become skilled. And on top of that, every president, every president when assuming office has a rough spot for at least a year or more and make huge mistakes okay. and that applies all the way from jack kennedy and the bay of pigs fiasco to george okay. w bush
2: Well, you know, I want to say this. One of the things that some onlookers have criticized President Trump for so far is the rollout of this immigration ban, saying, suggesting exactly what you're saying, that it seems those individuals who are very familiar with processes like this were not consulted. They were not uh, advising the president or his inner circle, if you will, and it seemed like the immigration ban, it became chaotic at airports because they're saying that many of them, the State Department, was unaware of it. They found out pretty much where everyone else did. I mean, There are reports saying that.
4: His rollout was incompetent, but I must say that when President Obama rolled out uh, the Affordable Health Care Act, that was equally incompetent. So uh, this is something that I think skips political power. It was part of both political parties. It's something that happens when you have inexperienced people, and it is to be expected, and it happens when Republicans and Democrats hold the highest office.
2: We are on right now exclusively with the one and only international uh, foreign affairs expert, also a business expert, Dr. Harlan Ullman. He's been on before with us, uh, breaking down things from his perspective. I do want to note for our listeners out there, he does not consider himself a Democrat or Republican. I do want to point that out for any of you that want to send us messages right now. Now, I want to turn our sights to Mexico right now. You know there has been a uh, interesting history with, uh, at one point, then-candidate uh, Trump, who is now president. It continues to be something that's seen by many as not sure where it's really going. Do you see any positive effect on building the relationship with Mexico despite the threat of the wall?
1: Um,
4: I, I, I'm laughing because that's not a serious question. Uh, and I've, I've written in one of my columns, uh, you may not remember, people may not recall, 1914, there was a Mexican bandito called Pancho Villa, and General Blackjack Pershing pursued Villa into Mexico in a punitive expedition. Never caught up with him. And I suggested that maybe we need another Blackjack Pershing to launch a second expedition to Mexico. Uh, what we've done to, in Mexico makes the word incompetent sound good. Uh, Donald Trump wants to build a wall. All right, here's a reality: most of the border that's open is in Texas. And the problem is that most of the territory on the border is privately held land, not owned by governments. And, indeed, one of the biggest chunks of land is owned by Howard Buffett, son of Warren Buffett, who's got more money than Trump could ever conceive. Now, if you want to build a wall, does that mean you're going to exercise eminent domain and seize that property that belongs to private landowners in Texas? Who knows? But the point is that a wall is not necessary. And, indeed, if Trump wants to make Mexico pay for the wall by imposing some kind of import duty or tax, that's going to make life much more expensive for Americans, and we, ironically, will end up paying for the wall. So this whole notion of the wall and Mexico paying for it, in my mind, has been a complete nonsense. But, in fairness, it was a slogan that helped get Mr. Trump elected. And it's a slogan he's going to follow up on, and it's going to make life far more difficult. It's going to make relations with Mexico far worse. And quite practically, it cannot be done the way Mr. Trump thinks it can be done. And if it is, it's going to be costing a lot more money than we can afford to
2: spend on it. Let's talk about something that could be viewed positively when it comes into I our relationship. I wish relations that wasn't with, case, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Something with Mexico. At, during the transcript that was released with his recent conversation with the Mexican president, he offered, uh, the president of the United States offered to assist the president of Mexico with handling the drug cartels. That's something that could possibly be perceived as positive, right?
4: Um, yeah, but the problem is, from a Mexican perspective, if we're going to be humiliating Mexico it would be very easy for the Mexican police and military to turn a blind eye to the druggies and let them make their way through across the border, Uh, and I could understand that. Uh, Relations with Mexico since 1846 have always been very uneven. Uh, Mexicans have been very resentful of the Yankees to the north, and I'm afraid that we're moving back to that era when in the past it has been improving. So there are lots of things that Mexicans can do. Mexico can do to make life very, very difficult. And I think so far they've been completely ignored by the Trump administration.
2: Let's go back to the other side of the world. Let's bring up Israel. I know there was a recent statement out from the White House this morning talking about not sure if Israeli, Israeli settlements will help in foreign relations. What do you make of this?
4: Well, that's a very sensible statement, quite frankly, because it was done diplomatically. It's absolutely right. The problem with the Israelis extending settlements into the West Bank on the other side of the Jordan River, land that they uh, seized after the 1967 war, is that this could lead to a so-called one-state solution in which Israel becomes a state with a Palestinian majority. And so how do you have a democracy when the now minority Palestinians, who are not Jews, uh, become a majority and decide that they want the vote? And unfortunately, Prime Minister Netanyahu's increase in settlements has made achieving a two-state solution with a Palestinian state and an Israeli state that can live side-by-side increasingly difficult. So I think that the way the administration has dealt with Israel is absolutely proper, and it shows that common sense and understatement are a lot more than over-promising and under-delivering. So I agree with and applaud the statement that the administration has issued on Israel because it was done sensibly. And when things are not done sensibly, then obviously I'm going to be very, very critical of those actions.
2: Let's go back to the home front here in the United States, some domestic issues uh, that are warring. Uh, he has threatened to do, uh, take action uh, with uh, Chicago. As we know, Chicago has had some uh, very uh, recent and ongoing violence that has been going on throughout the years. Does the President of the United States, from your opinion, Dr. Holman, have any power to do anything about the violence in Chicago? Sure. He can, uh,
4: he can nationalize the National Guard and okay. send it in. Presidents have done that before. President Eisenhower in, in Little Rock Uh, 60 years ago, so presidents have often uh, used the the military, I should say, the National Guard. Would that be effective in
2: Chicago, from your opinion?
4: I I really am not expert enough. Chicago's got such huge problems. It's also made more difficult that the Mayor Rahm Emanuel, is a Democrat, is very, very close to, obviously, President Obama. So there are all sorts of political ramifications. And so uh, I, I really do not have enough knowledge to come up with a sensible answer as to what the feds could do or can't do. But uh, obviously Chicago has got huge problems, and I'm not sure that bringing in the National Guard would necessarily solve them. But as I said, it's not an area that I would consider part of my uh, best expertise.
2: Another home front issue tends to be health care, as we know. And, of course, President Trump vowed to dispel Obamacare, if you will, the Health Care Act. Um, the Republicans so far don't have anything in concrete to uh, repeal or to offer as an option. Do you see that as a problem here at the home front? Well, here's a real
4: problem. Uh, Donald Trump has promised to grow the economy by 4%. Uh, he's promised to provide jobs, jobs, jobs. Yes. He's, promised to, he's promised to fix health care and reform taxes. Now, as 2018 grows closer, Mr. Trump will have to make good on those promises. Because if he doesn't, please recall that in 1995, when the Republicans who controlled both houses of Congress shut government down, it led to the elections of 96, in which the Democrats won both houses and Bill Clinton was reelected. And so I think that Democrats are in a very strong position, and unless Mr. Trump can deliver, Republicans are going to be in a very, very bad shape in 2018. And quite frankly, how he's going to deliver in health care, I don't know. The nature of the political system with checks and balances and the fact that it's broken uh, makes it exceedingly difficult to put together really sensible legislation. There are lots of flaws in Obamacare. And the argument should have been not repeal and replace, but fix. And so I think Mr. Trump is being caught on the horns of a dilemma that he is fashioned Because we can't repeal it. If they, if we in fact we repeal it, it will be disastrous. And so far, neither the Congress nor the administration seems to have any idea of what it's going to replace it with. So this is a very difficult issue and it could blow up in the faces of Republicans in 2018 if it's not dealt with sensibly.
2: As a journalist, I have to ask an expert like yourself. As you know, uh, Chief um, Press Secretary Sean Spicer uh, presented some information a few weeks ago, uh, days ago, if you will, about the uh, inauguration crowd. As you know, uh, advisor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, came out and used the term alternative uh, facts, if you will. Uh, From an foreign relations expert, a business expert such as yourself, um, how do you feel when we're uh, told the words or you hear the words alternative facts? Well, it means lies.
4: Okay. And it's it's completely delegitimizing um, the truth. And when Jack Kennedy, I'm using Kennedy as an example, okay. when the Cuban Missile Crisis broke out, Kennedy wanted to rally the support of then President of France Charles de Gaulle, and so he de Gaulle uh, with photographs. And de Gaulle said, "I don't need to look at the photographs. The word of the President of the United States is good enough for me." I don't think if Mr. Trump said to whomever, you have my word, it would be listened to. That's a reality today. It's a sadness today. And Kellyanne Conway's comments make the situation worse, not better.
2: He is the 45th U.S. President of the United States, Donald Trump. He is just in, not even done a full month yet. He will be the president, of course, for the next four years. And I always want to present objectivity here on Let's Talk America Radio. For the naysayers out there, are, we, are they being fair? Are they not giving him a chance? Because after all, it's only been a, a matter of days. God Ullman, I should people be giving him more of a fair chance to see what sort of legacy he will establish as the 45th U.S. President?
4: Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I have to say, in this particular case, I'm very, very conflicted. Because on the one hand, Donald Trump has really been in office for 12 days. And so it's ludicrous to start predicting the demise of his administration. And sensibly, we have to realize that new administrations always get off to rough starts. It takes a while. It'll take six months for his administration to gain steam. And so... The smart, commonsensical approach is, yes, give the president time, and I fully support that. On the other hand, we are on the Titanic, and I see an iceberg, and that iceberg is drawing closer and closer and closer, and I'm not sure we have six months. And if the administration is going to do something really stupid, and I'm afraid that's going to happen, I'm very, very, very worried. So I agree with your point. Uh, We need to give the president time. But having been in this business for so long, I know when trouble is approaching, and I know it's approaching at a very rapid rate. So it really worries me.
2: Dr. Holland Allman is a distinguished member of the U.S. Naval Academy. He was a career naval officer. He's published many books, uh, many papers. Before you leave us, your latest book, it's not out yet. It's going to be off the press very soon, titled Anatomy of Failure, Why American Loses Wars It Starts. Tell us about this book. What a title, huh?
4: Well, what a book, um, and in fact, the most interesting part of the book is that it is populated with vignettes, stories of my personal experience uh, to support the argument of why America loses wars it starts, and the reasons are very simple, the wars we lost, for example, in Vietnam, and certainly in Iraq, and probably in Afghanistan, because we never applied strategic thinking to what we were doing. And our leaders at the time, Republican and Democrat alike, failed to have sufficient knowledge and understanding of the situations in which we used force. And by wars, I mean the use of American force, because we made huge mistakes in Grenada and other places where I have um, referenced in in the book. And it skips... Republicans and Democrats, the same mistakes that Jack Kennedy made and Lyndon Johnson in Vietnam were repeated by George W. Bush and in some cases uh, by Ronald Reagan. And so the lesson here is simply that White Houses have to have the ability to think strategically, and as important, they have to be fully informed and understand what's, what's going on. I would suggest that before September 11th, there were only a handful of Americans who knew the difference between Sunni or Shia or what we're talking about. And unfortunately, given the complexity and interconnectivity of the world today, we cannot be uninformed, and we have to think strategically. But I think the part of the book that will would be most interested to readers. Are vignettes and personal experiences, which give an added dimension that explain why and show how we've gone wrong, when we've gone wrong. I also have positive examples of how the United States did succeed, for example, with George H.W. Bush in the first Iraq war, which was to drive Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. That was done masterfully. But unfortunately, the record suggests that We do it more wrongly than we do it rightly, and I think that the lessons of the first Iraq war under George H.W. Bush, Dick Cheney at the Defense Department, and Colin Powell as chairman of the Joint Chiefs are a model that future presidents and administrations need to emulate, not what happened in Vietnam and not what happened when the second Bush had presided over the war in Iraq.
2: I, before you leave us, uh, you explain things so eloquently. ISIS is a huge topic right now, uh, not just overseas, as you know, Europe, the Middle East itself, many parts of Africa right now, and also the United States, the ongoing threat. Um, people are on uh, pins and needles of the hearing that name. Do you think there is anything effectively we can do right now in 2017 to combat ISIL and the mind influence they seem to have over some individuals?
4: One of the uh, case studies I use in the book is how we've managed to screw up the fight against the Islamic State. Um, and the answer is, yes, I outline many of the things that we can do in, in my book. First, we need not panic. As Franklin Roosevelt said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Okay. Your chances of getting hit by a meteor are much greater than being killed by a terrorist in America and basically... If there is going to be a terrorist attack, it's going to be homegrown. And I can't tell a difference between the kid who killed all those little children at Sandy Hook in Connecticut and Major Hassan. Uh, they're all probably very deranged people, and the distinctions there, it seems to me, are mindless. What we have to realize is we need to be able to use our allies much more effectively. We have to convince our allies in the region, which means Saudi Arabia, the Gulf states, and Turkey, that. The Islamic State is a a direct threat to them. Unfortunately, we see the Islamic State as a greater threat to us than many of the Arab states see as a threat to them. And as long as that perception continues, then we're never going to get ahead of the game. I agree with the Trump administration in that we need to make Russia more of an ally in the fight against the Islamic State. And I'm afraid that President Obama uh, was not able to do that for a lot of reasons, some good, some bad, largely because of what's happened in, the Ukraine, in Ukraine. But having said that, uh, if we take a deep breath and use our senses and we use our vast network of allies and do it smartly where interests are common, and that includes working with Iran, not imposing greater sanctions on Iran, because Iran actually views the Islamic State as a real threat, Uh, we can come to grips with it. But unfortunately, uh, I argue that the situation is rather like a patient with multiple forms of cancer, and chemotherapy for one form of cancer merely exacerbates the others, and that's what's happening. We see it happening in Syria, which is extremely complex, with the Turks and the Assad regime and um, the Iraqis and the Iranians and the Russians all having different interests, We haven't been able to work through that minefield. And what we have to do, and I think Trump is right, if you substitute American interest for American first argument, that's a good case to be made where we can be smarter in how we deal with the Islamic State. And unfortunately, we've not been able to do that because it requires a sophistication that most governments here are incapable of providing. And I can only say one hopes that the Trump administration with General Mattis will be better informed But as everybody knows, hope is not a strategy.
2: You did mention the name of Putin out of Russia. I do want to bring up a question that many Americans continue to ask out in social media. Can we trust Putin? I know you said we may be needing him in the war with ISIL or uh, the terrorist state, but tell me, there's a, a, a very dynamic, complex history with the United States and Russia, as you know.
4: Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. The issue is not trust. The issue is that we have common interests, and we have to learn to work on those common interests and then do the best we can to dampen down those things that divide us. That's very commonsensical. So I would not say trust is the issue. The issue is focusing on those interests that are common and that are important. That is the best way for anything to happen because even with goodwill, sometimes trust is not sufficient. So interest really counts, and we need to focus much more on interest. And if we do, then I think there will be practical solutions that will help us in whatever area we are engaged.
2: Dr. Harlan-Allman, always an honor to have you offer your perspective here on Let's Talk America Radio. Thank you for joining us.
4: Shana, thank you very much.
0: Hi, this is College Senior at the College of Worcester, Brenda Kaur, and you're listening to Let's Talk America Radio with Shayna Thornton.
3: So this is for Let's Talk America with Shana Thornton. So we have with us Nidhi Verma, and she's the uh, Senior Director of Business and Consulting at TransUnion. Hi, good
0: morning. It's Nidhi Verma. I'm the Senior Director of Research and Consulting at TransUnion.
3: Thank you so much for joining us here at Let's Talk America. So we hear that TransUnion is making um, a a big announcement or a release today. Can you tell us more about that?
0: Sure. Um, About this time of the year, we look forward um, into the consumer credit marketplace to um, create a forecast around credit performance, what to expect in terms of delinquencies in the next four quarters coming up in 2017, um, as well as average debt levels for borrowers in the U.S. And what we see from a combination of expected rate hike that we expect to be announced um, as Fed meets uh, today, along with the com- a combination of more subprime borrowers in the market, uh, those two primary drivers are expected to spur delinquencies uh, up in 2017 for both auto loans or lease market, as well as credit cards.
3: Interesting. And for some of us, you know, who maybe are, new to the credit phase or don't know much about it, what do you mean when you say delinquency?
0: We look into credit performance for uh, consumers, borrowers who have a credit card, uh, for those who have an auto loan, uh, those who carry a mortgage, um, and or consumers who carry a personal loan. We look at all four of those loan markets and predict what serious level delinquencies, or in other words, consumers who won't be able to make payments beyond 60 days Uh, for auto, mortgage, and personal loans, and consumers who will be seriously delinquent on a card, which is considered as a 90 days past due on their
3: payments. Interesting. Okay. And so what do you think is the most important piece of information everybody should take away from uh, your forecast?
2: Sure. Um, I think we have
0: to keep in mind that where uh, we stand today um, and as of Q3 2016, what we observe is the... Percent of subprime accounts who have access to a credit card, it's reached its highest level that we've observed since 2010. Uh, For the auto market, um, that percent of subprime borrowing has actually reached its highest point since the end of 2013, and as more access has become available to consumers, as we've done pretty well as an economy in terms of a better employment picture, in terms of rising income, median household income, that is, Um, and just a very strong foundation as an economy, we've seen demand for loans grow as well as supply for loans uh, being available to the subprime borrowers. It is a natural consequence in the market when more subprime borrowers participate, you are going to see increases in delinquencies. Along with, as we talked about, the prime rate rising, we expect about a 50 basis points rise in interest rates between where we stand today as well as at the end of 2017. With those two factors, along with some offsetting factors that are positive forces in our economy, we expect car delinquencies and auto delinquencies to go up. What it means for lenders who serve these markets is to continue to adjust their you know, underwriting strategies and maintaining a good balance, essentially, when it comes to consumer credit access, access as well as their returns. And it's a quite balanced picture. It's a benefit to all um, consumers as well as lenders. What it means for consumers is you know, if you um, if you are struggling to make payments as your rate rises, um, you know make sure you continue to at least make your minimum payment due because payment is a huge driver and it can potentially impact your credit scores. Um, and it's anytime you feel that you're going to miss a payment uh, on any of your credit obligations, Talk to your lender before you actually miss a payment. It's always better to um, tell your lender of a potential problem as opposed to missing the payment.
3: That's that's very good advice, especially now around the holiday season. You know, we all fall into that maybe spending a little bit too much to get our loved ones the the gifts that Absolutely. they really, really 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 wanted.
0: Absolutely, budgeting ahead for the holiday and any extravagances that you've planned, um, it can certainly help limit some of the financial stress. Um, and make sure you're keeping a healthy credit report throughout the year.
3: So, you know, rising interest rates for all around, whether it's credit cards, my auto loan, I'm applying for a mortgage, you know, it doesn't sound really positive. Is there is there positive news that we can take away from this forecast?
0: Yes. So it's important to know where the trajectory of credit performance is going to be um, a year ahead from today. Um what's, what's key message in the trajectory is that delinquencies are rising as a natural consequence of very delicate efforts um, that lenders have made in terms of supplying loans as well as consumers in demanding loans. Um, what the positive story here is when we compare these percentages of delinquencies or we compare credit performance overall to where we've come from since the end of recession, and if we look at Q3 2009 specifically, that was the first quarter when we came out of recession, we're still significantly below some of those um, rates of delinquency. To give you an example, when you look at the credit card um, lending product, we had a 3% delinquency rate, a serious delinquency rate, which means you know, 90 plus days past you as a borrower. There were 3% of US borrowers who were in that, in that category. That number is expected to be 1.82% at the end of 2017. So certainly, still much below uh, some of the worst times we've seen as an economy. Very similar story goes for the auto business as well. And I think one of the most um, uh, important things is when you look at a big market like mortgage. We have 67 million U.S. borrowers who carry a mortgage loan. We're actually going. We're expecting. Our forecast suggests that. Going forward in 2017, we're actually going to see even further declines in mortgage delinquency. We've actually observed through Q3 2016 itself about 23 straight quarters of declining mortgage delinquencies, which has been a very positive um, story when it comes to home ownership and consumers being able to make those payments on their homes, on the mortgages that they have for their, those homes. So certainly, that's another positive story um, that will help. Uh, that is, um, you know, really based on the foundation of a very strong economy that we have.
3: Okay, that's great. Yeah, I mean, everybody's talking right now about how great the economy is, you know. And with all of this, you know, potential rising interest rates and delinquencies in mind, you know, as a consumer, should we be? Should we start acting differently? You know, how how should we, you know, take in this information? How should we apply it to our lives?
0: I think as a consumer, um, just be aware that as interest rates rise, your credit card um, rates will interest rates will rise as well. And if you happen to be a consumer who carries a revolving balance, um, just make sure you plan ahead for those monthly payment obligations to go up. And despite the fact that we are predicting um, that uh, we will see higher defaults you know, higher delinquencies, both for car and auto. Um, it is still very important, like I said, for consumers to continue to make at least your monthly due, the minimum due payments each month. Um, that's really a good way to make sure there's no potential impact to your credit scores um, and just continuously monitor and manage your credit more efficiently.
3: That's really great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nitty, on Let's Talk America. Can you tell, us, uh, tell my listeners uh, where they can find out more?
0: Absolutely. If you're interested in learning more about our forecast for 2017, please visit www.transunioninsights.com forward slash
3: All right. That's great. Thank you so much again. And we look forward to uh, speaking with you again down the road.
0: Thanks for having me here. Are you looking for a family-based radio talk show that addresses the relevant issues and concerns of today? You have found the right option. Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton is your award-winning radio talk show that's for every member of the family. We feature meaningful conversations each and every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check out our brand-new website by visiting www.letstalkamericawithshanathornton.com. Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton is
1: Talk
2: Radio with Substance. Tune in. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Thank you for tuning in live this Tuesday night, February the 7th, 2017, to the one and only award-winning radio talk show, Let's Talk America, with host Shayna Thornton. We will offer a new episode next Tuesday night, same time, same place, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We love timely news, great talk, and phenomenal music. And tonight, we will close out with the tunes from musician Gregory D. and Company. The name of this track is More Than a Conqueror. More Than a Conqueror, performed by Gregory D. and Company. Check it out, put their name in your favorite search engine, and let us know what you think. We want to know your feedback on the entire show or certain segments. Simply shoot us an email at admin at Again, send us a quick email at admin at ltaradio.com Remember to use our hashtag ltaradio, all caps or lowercase, on your favorite social media website. Well everyone, we shall chat next Tuesday night for a live episode, but in the meanwhile check out this episode or any previously aired episode at your convenience. Just visit www.ltaradio.com Stay with us. Let's Talk America with host the Thornton Radio Show was an entity of Paget and Thomas Enterprises, LLC. All content original, copyright 2017. For more information, please visit www.ltaradio.com.
1: I can't wait till the battle's over. I must praise Him right now. Even though it seems like I'm losing, I'll still win, I'll still win, yeah. To the battle, I'm afraid you're right now, even though it seems like I'm losing, but I'll still i